This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 441 for Wednesday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. It's Star Wars Day 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into, like Star Wars. Joining me this week, Stephen ESC is back. You can find him at Stephen ESC on Twitter and Twitch. Welcome back, my friend. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me again. It's a habit that we've gotten into, and, I, and I'm happy. I'm happy for it. You and I were talking actually in the car the other day um, that it was just nice that we've been able to schedule this because you're we're both busy people, um, but we're friends that live down the road from one another, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we now have two scheduled hangouts. One of which is morning workouts, <laughs> and the other yeah. one is is this podcast. And really, at the gym, like we don't get to talk that much because we've got stuff to do. Um, but, but here it's been nice to just have that schedule catch up. And I, it feels very adult to have to hang like schedule hangouts, you know, know, like it, it, I, I don't want to equate it to a play date cause I find that <laughs> silly, but like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it seems strange to me that you have to like, you know, call ahead and like plan stuff. Gone are the days, uh, gone are the days of just like calling up your buddy the day of me just like what you doing because the answer is nothing okay want to do something sure you know yeah <laughs> uh i miss i miss those days uh it's uh it's not been like that for a very very long time but i have been grateful for the gym though because you know we joked last year that if it weren't for these podcasts we probably wouldn't have the time to you know have a chunk of time where we could sit down and talk to each other but now at least we have the drive to and from the gym and then the 20 minutes on treadmill, the treadmill yeah so I feel like, you know, I've been working hard at the gym and 20 minutes on the treadmill, even at a steep incline, does not balance out to two days walking outside. Um, Second day, you and I went for a walk at lunch of the day, but uh, the other day I went for the the following day. It was beautiful again. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk again. And so I decided to go for a, a long walk on, on Tuesday at lunch, about an hour, maybe over 50 minutes. And I mean, nice. I was I was hauling ass. Like I was walking as fast as I could. And people were like, Joel, why are you walking, not running? Because winter. <laughs> yep. uh, and I, I, I don't think my knees would like me right, right away if I started running outside. Uh, I also need new shoes. And um, I mean, I was, I mean, physically I was fine. But later that day, I imagine between the fresh air and just like the hour long activity, like I was falling asleep at four o'clock on the couch, <laughs> like unintentionally. Uh, and I was just like, I get up at seven o'clock in the morning and go for heavy workouts with you. And I'm fine for the rest of the day. But for whatever reason, that noon workout and I was just like sleepy Joel. I don't know why, um, but uh, I'm looking forward to spring weather. I know we're not supposed to talk about spring weather, but I, I am looking forward to afternoons on my balcony you know either working outside or or just having lunch outside i uh i miss the outdoors and uh granted it's nice that the gyms are open and you know the the covid levels are low enough that you and i can go 
comfortably Mm -hmm. it's still inside and i i spend enough time inside at home and so i'm looking forward to more outside activities feature um as i was walking home i think it was with you um i commented that looks like some of the local restaurants are putting their patios out yes and looking forward to that because uh i'm more comfortable i think going to a restaurant now these days if there's an outside you know compared to of course being being inside yeah i've been in a couple just in the last little while because i went on a on a little road trip which we'll i'll mention briefly Mm -hmm. a little bit later but it's um you know, people were keeping their distance in there and we were only in there briefly. So I got, I kind of got to see what it was like, but I'd still be more comfortable with the um, the patio for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the nicer weather, if for nothing else, that when it comes to, uh, comes to wanting to go for a walk in the middle of the day, if it's like, I could go right now, I can just pop my shoes on and go. Like, I don't have to go, all right, well, let's, you know, get, get the hikers on, let's get a spring coat on you know, all of that stuff. It's just, mm-hmm. it's basically shoes on and go, which is yeah. really nice. Yeah. It, it makes everything more accessible, which is, exactly. which is nice. Yeah. I had a good weekend. Uh, I want to thank everybody that uh, is listening to this, that came by my birthday stream on Friday. Had a blast. It was really good nice. to, to see people come by. I had a number of new people come by that were listening to the Sigil Cafe that had never been by a stream and also people that had been listening to the Spawn Chunks, my other podcast about Minecraft, and then also came by to say hi. So that was really fun, you know, like, because it's the third pandemic birthday. I did get together with family this year, which is the first time in, in two years to be able to do that. But um, mm. so it wasn't a complete solo birthday, but spending the day um before the family dinner you know being able to connect with people online and have a bunch of people come by and say hi um a number of people in the community i won't name names because i'll just i'll i'm worried i'll forget somebody um there was a number of people that were very generous with like supports and subs and stuff like that and and gift subs it was yeah it was really fun it was it was a nice nice kickoff to the weekend and uh it was um it's because of these lovely people um in in chat that I have been able to uh, expand my streaming gear. We've been talking about the stream decks a little bit here <laughs> on the podcast, and I returned my stream deck Mark II and picked up a stream deck XL, which is just larger. It's got 32 buttons Super instead, of, instead of 15, uh, because I did find that I was running out of real estate. There was a lot of subfolders and things that I was trying to organize, and I found it a struggle to remember where I was going Right. And you might be able to comment to this. I'm curious because as a graphic designer, as, as your professional graphic designer, I kind of dabble in it as like a side thing to my illustration, but we both have like the design aesthetics kind of built into us. I found it very difficult to organize things the way that I wanted because of the limitations of the design of the buttons and you'd have to go search for your own icons and then you'd have to then remember what those icons were. And the choice was find an icon that was good enough for what you wanted or just put text on it or take the time, which we don't have to design your Mm -hmm. own perfect icon, which would be fun as a project. But like, I just don't have those hours to put into just a button on a thing that I'm not even sure I'm going to use. So, so I found that I was just really found it tedious to be inside of folders and back and forth and trying to remember what, what your button does, what, um, and Cause I have to kind of make, Oh, well, this, this folder, this yellow folder is what I had for people that I know. And this other folder, which is not yellow, but sort of yellow because those are the two icons that I had, um, is for people I might raid that I, I don't necessarily know personally. And I was just like, but 
it just it, it felt like this really convoluted thing where I had to remember which folder was which and ultimately I caved and just thought well it's ugly but I'm going to use the text and write just write raid and you know shout outs on one folder and the other and it just ruined the aesthetic it just it felt very I'm not sure what it's it felt very like web 2011 sort yeah, of design cobbled together yeah and and so um I decided well uh, between a conversation with my friend Britt and um, the incredible support from from folks on Twitch, I decided to just like, you know what, I'll just, I can afford it. I'm going to return the money and get the money back for the, the Mark II and buy the XL. And so far, I do enjoy the larger experience. It's also taller. So as a tall person, it's nice not to have to go so low to, to touch it. It's like having an extra row, you know, of keys. Um, mm -hmm. But in my haste, I didn't realize that the Stream Deck XL came out in 2019 and the Stream Deck Mark II came out in 2021. So right. while smaller, the technology and the LCD screen inside the MK2 is better, newer. And um, my experience so far is that the but buttons on the XL are kind of crunchy. The LCD screen is very washed out. It's not nearly as, as saturated as, as the Mark II. Uh, and if you're up for it, oh really? I think it would be interesting, you know, because we do live so close to one another, if you were to come over sometime with your Mark II and we could look at them side by side and really just kind of see the differences because it's noticeable. Like red, when I see red on my screen when I'm setting up a button, red is not the color that shows up on, on the XL. Now, in the grand scheme of things, does that affect the functionality? Absolutely not. It still does everything that the mk2 does because the software that runs it is the same um mm -hmm. it just feels from a tactile perspective a little different and visually it's not as vibrant it does and which basically means first world problem it is not as cool looking right and that's that's the <laughs> it's not a big deal it's like it's like i can still tell well, what buttons are what you know but you spent more money on it though you want it that's to look the thing you want it to look the part of something that's more expensive exactly. and I'm, I'm surprised that you say the buttons and everything are washed out because when i read up i was actually surprised that when you go to elgato.com that they've got the stream deck and the stream deck mark ii which which i just recently as you said just recently bought and i'm pretty i, I switched from the ios version to this because i i knew that i was going to get it eventually and then i realized even if i waited till it went on sale if i'm paying for the ios version month to month then buy it on sale, then my overall kind of Stream Deck experience probably would have cost as much as the XL that you got, and I'm just getting a small one. So I just kind of bit the bullet and got it earlier. Um, but I guess all that is to say is when I was looking into it, um, trying to figure out whether I wanted to get the original one or this one, right now they're the same price. So I thought, well, get the newer one. And mm -hmm. when I read the descriptions, it said um, that everything is the same on them except for the stand and the basically the, the stand and the fact that it comes with a detachable USB-C cable. So hearing what you're talking about, that makes me believe that that's not the case. And that's uh, my, my guess is that they've just advanced in the technology or, or it could be something just as simple as they have a different LCD supplier, right? Mm. Like uh, I, oh, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like where they're getting their LCD could just be from somewhere else. That could be something very simple or, and has changed it during the pandemic. It could be just something that they had to change financially within the company. It's not something that they're talking about publicly. This is just a guess because I know how some of these things go from listening to other tech podcasts. And um, again, it's, it's not a huge deal in terms of it doesn't affect the 
it doesn't affect the functionality of the device, but it affects mm -hmm. your mood and your, I guess your, your, your experience with your it. experience with it. Like your, how, cause I, I mean, as, as much as I, I liked the, the, the Mark II, um, I thought the buttons were a little squishy maybe, but that mm. could have been an overcompensation from my feedback on the XL, which is that the, the buttons are kind of crunchy. Um, and mm. I think that the XL, the only thing the XL doesn't that in terms of physical stuff, the XL has got a magnetic stand, whereas the small one just has a regular stand. Uh, and then the XL, um, what was the, oh, you can't change the face plates on the XL, which I don't care about. Like yeah. I'd, I'd rather have a nice black because everything else I have on my desk is black. So I'd rather just have the black face plate. I don't care about, Same. you know, whatever crazy amount of money they're going to charge me for some custom plastic. I mean, all the power to people that have like, you know, a pink gaming computer and they want a pink faceplate for their Excel, for, for their, you know, for their um, stream deck. Sure. Like, hey, if that's what you want, yeah, that's yeah. what you want. Um, but for me, it's not, it was not a selling feature. Um, for like you said, it was the detachable USB-C cable. It was the fact that it had a couple of different options for height and whatever. Um, and, and it's fine. Um, anyway, I, I feel like I've spoken about the X, the, uh, the stream deck a number of times on, <laughs> on the, on the podcast, but how are you liking it now that you've switched? Cause I did not use the app. I used a different app, but I did not use the stream deck app. So how did you find moving from the app to the physical device? Do you like the physical device better? Um, I like the vibrancy and icon crispness on the iOS version than the stream deck, but this it only connected via wi-fi like even if i plugged it in it was not a hardwired connection right so there were, there were a couple of times when it just like i had to quit the app a couple of times or and changed wi-fis because uh, you know wi-fi has the 2.4 yeah. gigahertz mm -hmm. or five so i had to like mess with that to get it to connect a couple of times and that really so we're technology wise one of the uh you know an impetus or or a motivation to go to the actual hardwired piece of physical hardware um but visually the uh the ios version is stunning if if they had it like a capability the capability of it being wired and then an ipad version as well that you could do a split screen on i mean if if i could have that vertically as a split screen on my ipad with another one so like basically the 32 buttons as part of the ios app i would have been hard pressed to sorry the 32 buttons on the ios app and it being recognized as a hardwired piece of hardware not via wi-fi I would have been hard pressed to spend the 250 bucks or even the larger one for the 300 something dollars, the XL. I've, I feel like I would have stuck with that because it would have taken seven years for the cost to kind of even out. Right. But it was, it was having that, it, it was the, the selling, the clincher for me was it not connecting a couple of times over Wi-Fi. I'm like, ah, I don't want this to be a problem no. right before a stream. So. Or during one like that. Yeah. Is, yeah. That would be a, a, a real pain because um the the thing that I, and I that's what I was doing I was using an i my iPad with a split screen um for running ads with Twitch and then I also had the Streamlabs remote app which was allowing me to switch screens and go to be right back screens but they were single use buttons like it was cool mm -hmm. and it was good as a starting kind of way to understand how to do things differently but they were nice big buttons they were probably about an inch in, in change square so like you couldn't miss them you couldn't press the wrong one Unless you yeah. like read it wrong or something, but they were they were big enough to read, um, and you can change them too. Like if you thought they were too big or too small, you could scale them to be whatever you want. You just have if you had a lot, you just had to scroll to find the other ones. But that was fine. Um, so yeah, I just it's I I do find that now that I've had a Stream Deck for a few weeks, that I'm okay with the physical buttons. I don't need them to mm -hmm. be. And again, it is because you don't have to read them if you've got the right icon on there. 
um, like I have a, it looks like a speedometer, but it, it essentially for me, it's my break button. It's my be right back. I'll be back in five or six minutes button. And it does all kinds of stuff. But now that I know that that's the, the, the be right back button. And then the one next to it looks like, Oh, what are they called? I used to know what they're called. You know, those things that people put in front of a camera, they go take one and they click it. It's, it's a clapper clapper. Okay. So the yeah. cl it looks like a clapper. And so that is my outro. That's the end of the stream. And so I just, I know what they are now. And now you don't right. even have to read anything. You just, oh, it's going, um, the purple one is the end. The blue one is, you know, the main screen. And then the, the one that's kind of gray is my be right back. Like, so it, I find it very nice that way. Um, and, um, and the real estate is nice too, especially when, you know, like you go into something like a, a folder with friends that you might want to give shout outs to, or if you want to rate a bunch of people, if you've got mm -hmm. more than 10 people that you want to have in that list, then you have to have pages. Whereas right. on the 32, I can just, they're all there. Like you just one folder, yeah. everybody fits, you know, now, am I using all 32 buttons all the time? Absolutely not. It's totally <laughs> overkill. It was a bit of a birthday splurge, you know, with some encouragement from, from friends and it's fine. Um, but I, you know, it, it's one of those things where, uh, I can also return it. Like if it, if it, if it doesn't end up living up to the expectations, I could just return it and get the 15 button one again. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I it's, that's yeah. unlikely at this point because it's, it's now it just becomes a hassle and I start to feel guilty about like buying stuff and returning it constantly, which is silly. I know it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. But the benefit of having a larger real estate, I think you either was chatting with someone else about it or with you about it but you don't necessarily you can actually use their real estate to create grouping so you don't necessarily don't necessarily have to put them all in a row so if you wanted to on your 32 buttons if you wanted to have the top left like a, a two by three section dedicated to you know your Streamlabs experience and right. then a two by three section on the top like basically you could use some of the buttons just as blanks to create a visual division between different sections and then on the next page you could have like your entire left hand side filled with one thing a space and your entire right hand side filled with another so like that's pretty cool as well like i, I for me i love it but i've i have so much to learn about its capabilities and so I, I haven't i'm not feeling the like the folders woes like you were because i'm not i don't have enough stuff on it yet to make yeah. me go oh i wish i had more buttons i'm sure i'll get there i can tell you one thing which is nice is how seamless it was to go from one to the other yes like i unplugged one sent it back brought the other one upstairs, plugged it in. And I had previously already backed up the other profiles. So I thought, okay, well, I'll do the smart thing. I'll back these up. It was fine. And then I didn't even have to go load the profile. It basically just said, hey, we've noticed that you have previous profiles. Would you like to load those? Yep. Okay. Yep. Done. Like just did, didn't even have to go hunting to where I remembered I safely saved my backups. It was just seamless so nice. like there are some things that they do very very well and apparently there's been a number of upgrades to the stream deck software in the last few months like last six months that have really taken it to the next level uh nice. you and i don't know the difference because we're just we're coming to it after those updates so um so i'm happy about that but um other than you know other than like i said it's just the lcds that and, and you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the cost of them. It's 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 that you feel that for the money you spend on these things, as useful as they are, it mm -hmm. should be a premium experience. And when it's not, yeah. you're just like, well, wait a minute. Like, why why is this costing this much if it isn't the best LCD screen that you can find? You know, like, why why is the big one, the more expensive one, not as pretty as the little one? That makes zero sense. Yeah. Zero sense. You know? Anyway, uh, we got to move on. 
And uh, I will be remiss if I did not at least mention that it is May the 4th again. And uh, I am embarrassed that I didn't notice this until just before the show and I didn't have time to watch it. Although <laughs> I I might not watch it. Uh, there's a new Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. The first one was a teaser. The uh, now full trailer for the show is out. And nice. the show is going to premiere on the 27th. It was going to premiere on the 25th, but they moved it to the 27th and then also included that episode one and two would premiere on the 27th. So you, you have to wait a couple of days, but you're getting twice the amount of content on that release day. I think I might just be putting my head in the sand. I know I'm going to like it. I know I'm going to watch it. I shouldn't say I know I'm going to like it. I know I'm going to watch it. Mm. I I know I like Ewan McGregor. I, I Kenobi, especially young Kenobi, is one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars universe. So I'm Kenobi. very intrigued in this show. I'm going to watch it. I don't need a trailer to sell it. And therefore, if I watch them, all I'm doing is just visually spoiling myself on some cool stuff. Right. So have you have you watched it? Have you seen the trailer? No, I haven't. Okay. It's, um, it's one of those ones I've I've known is coming. And I think maybe it's because I was more disappointed by... The book of Boba Fett? Boba Fett, yeah. I was, you know, disappointed by that. And not that I expected to be disappointed by Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I just, I guess I haven't been clamoring for more i'm going to watch the next mandalorian when it comes out because i'm really enjoying that but you know my sister said the same thing when i was over to her place for my 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 birthday dinner there and i asked her if she was excited about kenobi and she's like i had no idea it was coming and i don't know if i want to watch another one like she just felt Mm -hmm. that there was too much stuff like marvel's coming out with stuff we're going to talk about that later we've got you know star wars had the boba fett stuff and the thing is Andrea loves the Mandalorian, rightly so. Like it, yeah. it hits all the right notes for her. And she just didn't care about Boba Fett. She didn't understand. She didn't want to watch another thing because she didn't have time, whatever. But they didn't tell anybody that, you know, heads up spoilers if you haven't seen Boba Fett. There's a chunk of it that's just Mandalorian stuff. Yep. Like there's a whole episode where Boba Fett's barely in it. It's all Mando and important Mando information as well as like cameos by several other main Star Wars characters. If you're a fan of the Mandalorian, you need to see those episodes because it affects what happens between the Mandalorian season finale and what's going to happen in the next season. Like it's just it feels like they should have put those in the Mandalorian as opposed to in a different show. Oh, I I have In explaining it to Andrea without spoiling it for her, I was like, look, I don't know how to say this other than you have to watch Boba Fett. You just have to. Uh, You will need to watch it before you watch the next season of The Mandalorian. Again, Mm. try not to spoil that The Mandalorian's in it for her. Um, Right. And and I said, like, look, tell you what, put it on in the background when you're cleaning the kitchen or like it just on an iPad doesn't matter when it gets good you will stop what you're doing and watch. <laughs> okay. Cause good way to you play. know, like, cause, cause honestly you're not miss like the, the rainbow scooters, you, you're not missing anything, Ugh. you know, with that stuff. Like there's, there's the more yeah. that I think about it and the more that I explain and try to, to try to defend the book of Boba Fett to people that haven't watched it, uh, is, is that it doesn't, the book of Boba Fett doesn't feel like it has its had a, its own series. It felt like there was something screwy behind the scenes that we don't know about either pandemic mm. delays or something where the Mandalorian just was not going to come out forever. And Disney did not want to go that long with no star Wars content on Disney plus. 
And they said like, well, we can spin out Boba Fett into like three, maybe four episodes of content to try and tide people over before the Mandalorian because we have to delay the Mandalorian. And then that's what they did. And it just did not, it just didn't land. I don't think it did very, very well in my opinion, um, because it only got good when it got back to talking about the Mandalorian. Um, all that said, uh, I am definitely watching Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I think I'm going to just ignore the trailers and just kind of go in blind. Uh, the teaser, the teaser was enough for me. I think I've seen enough to kind of know what it might be about. I get a little bit of spy Jedi stuff going on. I I get the nods to nostalgia and Tatooine. Like, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. I'm a little concerned that we're back on Tatooine though, after so much Tatooine with Boba Fett. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I haven't looked ahead, uh, either to see who's directing. Cause I mean, I think I've talked about this with you before, but, um, whenever Bryce Dallas Howard directs an episode right. of, of Mandalorian or Boba Fett, uh, I can tell immediately before I read the credits, but then also it's some of the best like home run hitting star Wars content that's been on in these series. And so if they've brought her in, uh, to, to do anything on, on Obi-Wan Kenobi, then I'm thrilled. Like I will be over the moon. <laughs> Uh, to see that happen so we'll see um because there's also the the jurassic park movie coming i'm not sure not jurassic park jurassic world something something end of the world end of days it's probably a big end of the series yeah <laughs> uh it's uh it's a big movie that's either out now or out soon i think it's this friday maybe actually that it comes out the trailer looks huh. interesting like i it's uh, i i didn't dislike them but i it's one of those things where like i don't know if we needed a third <laughs> Yeah, but um, we'll see. At least they're kind of touting this one as the last in the series. So it's I, I like the fact that they're going okay on some level. You know, they're going they're, enough is enough. Let's just mm-hmm. let's just wrap it up, folks. But you know, in in the sense of giving it a proper send off. Yeah, yeah. No, and well, and with Alan Grant uh, and Ellie, I can't remember the character's name. Sattler, Ellie, Ellie Sattler. Oh, oh right. Yeah, like the, the original, the, the original cast. The, they're in the trailer um jeff goldblum is back too so they're they're in the trailer and it definitely again like it's one of those things where like i hope they take the characters forward and don't Mm -hmm. just have them in there doing what they did in the original (laughs) because i want them to move on um which is fine i mean i don't know that jeff goldblum's character is that different from jeff goldblum in real life (laughs) no so (laughs) there's that so who knows how far he would have grown but the other ones you would have hoped they've gotten at least whatever it is, 20 years smarter. Yeah, for sure. Um, the only other thing that I'm going to mention off the top of the show uh, is a short teaser trailer for Love, Death, and Robots Volume 3, which is coming oh, right. to Netflix later on this month, May 20th. Nice. Um, not for kiddies. Uh, even the trailer nope. is a little bit violent and and there's some sexual content. So really interesting, really well done stuff. It's, it's um, cool to see Netflix pushing the boundary. Some of these get a little bit gro- gratuitous for the sake of being gratuitous other times they're just really cool uh it's a bunch of shorts in a in a anthology so you just it really depends on who's curating the anthology as to what you get but um i've enjoyed the majority of them over the course of the first two volumes mm-hmm. volume Same. three is coming on the 20th for yes, netflix yeah so, thank you. uh do you have anything else you want to get off the top of the, the show before we move into email yeah i'm just 
finally finished season seven of Game of Thrones, so I now oh. know that John John Snow is not John Snow. Ah, yes. Um, I was okay. So here's here's something that I was waiting to ask you about. <laughs> so spoilers for people that are haven't seen Game of Thrones. I think you're. I should have said that. Your yeah. time has come. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think I think <laughs> the spoiler zone is past us at this point. Yeah. But I but there's a couple of, of key moments that I wanted to ask you about. So you said in the last time we spoke on the show that you had just watched, I think it was Jamie Lannister sacked Highgarden. Yes. So the battle that happens to the Lannisters after they leave Highgarden <laughs> was one Oof. of the most badass moments in that show's history. When yeah. the Dothraki are rolling over that hill and then you hear Drogon roar like, what was your, because I can only relieve this for through you. I've seen it myself for the first time. How was that? How did that land in the household when, when that reveal happened? Oh, we, we had to, it was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And we had to rewind it and watch it again. It was, um, it was pretty awesome. Well, I honestly didn't think because I, I felt like, um, Tyrion. Yeah. Tyrion had talked her out of bringing the dragon to rain down, you know, fire and destruction. So I didn't expect the dragon to make an appearance and I don't, and I didn't expect the Dothraki to show up as well. I was, I was caught off guard. I did, or I was, should say I was surprised. I didn't think that they were going to get attacked then. I thought they may have actually kind of checked the wind box or they like the Lannisters may have checked the wind box in that one. And then to hear the rumbling, I wasn't sure what the rumbling would have been at first because yeah, it just hadn't occurred to me that the Dothraki would be chasing them. And then they all show up. I'm like, holy smokes. And and then, and then the way they attacked and just didn't care. And, and, and Jamie put it, I think, um, perfectly later. He said they weren't, it wasn't like soldiers in a war. They were attacking and killing us for sport. Like it was fun for them. And he seemed <laughs> terrified by that fact. Yeah. And it's, and, and that made me go, yeah, that was, that was part of the reason. Like it, it just seemed like a really intense moment for, for all of them. And then to have, uh, you know, in and among that, have the, the dragon come out of the clouds. I only, I wish they had have had the clouds sort of billow around the dragon when they came through. So it, because it just sort of like looked like it faded through the clouds a little bit. Yeah. But it's like, but other than that, the rendering of the dragons in this show are among the best I've ever seen. And, and my wife said it tonight. She goes, I can't like, I don't see them as not real. Just the way that they kind of settle on a building. And then like, it's, it's it was, they settled on a ruin building this time and it sort of crumbled underneath them. And so their, their weight shifted as the building crumbled and, mm-hmm. and they kind of got their footing again and just, yeah, it was so good. And then that scene was just fantastic. The thing that gets me about them is how they communicate their size. And yeah. it's because they move quickly only because they're large and they can cover a lot of ground. But when they're on the ground and they move around, they move their head. Like if they want to snap around, they can. But most of the time when they're turning to look at Daenerys and they come in for like a chin scratch or something like that. Yeah. And it kind of shakes its head. It moves its head in the way, in the same way that a giant cow does. Right. Like a cow (laughs) kind of shakes its head and it kind of like, and the neck muscles kind of shake and quiver a little bit slowly underneath the weight and all that kind of stuff. And so whenever they did that, there was always this like, um, secondary action of like scales wobbling or, or the, yeah. the muscles of the neck kind of settling after it moves. And they, there was like a lot of, um, 
reptilian or dog or or large livestock or like elephants the way that elephants kind of like wobble their ears and kind of like Mm -hmm. you know shake off um pests and things like that like there's just so much of that that happens in the dragons in the animation and and it's so so well done i'm with you i never i don't question that they were they were real i questioned it more when they were the size of dogs and cats like when they were tiny i was just like "Eh, yeah little animated dragon that's cool but when they actually look believable at the size that they are at the end when when people are on them you're just like good lord like just so so good the thing that i liked so much about that scene like were all the things that you mentioned but also the moment of disbelief when jamie is it brawn I can't remember his name. There's Jamie and there's the hired, there's the hired muscle he's got with him. It used to be Tyrion's bodyguard, but he's now Jamie's. uh, Yeah. Uh, Anyway, none of them have seen a dragon before. They all like, they usually believe it's bullshit. Like they just think that whatever, it's probably just, you know, it's, it's never as, as, true as the rumors say, because they're just so used to the rumor mill, you know, in, in Westeros. Right. And yeah. when the thing comes over the over the hill and they're all just kind of like, nope, that's that's real. And that's bigger <laughs> than people yep. have been reporting like yep. that. That kind of stuff was was cool. I, I like that she went in with the big guns, too. Like she didn't bring one of the other dragons, <laughs> the sleeker one. Oh, yeah. she, she brought the she muscle. Even, she's, she's never ridden one of the other dragons. I don't th- not in the show anyway. Uh, no, she tends to ride Drogon for whatever reason. Drogon, um, I, I think they communicate it better in the books. But Drogon has the, has the namesake of Carl Drogo. And so she just kind of has a favorite in Drogon right. in the books. Um, but there's more personal, like, you know, subcontext that you get from reading a book than you can get across in the show, especially with a CG animated thing. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I just, and it makes sense that that's probably like, it's, it's also for show. Like it, Drogon is a bigger, is a better show. Um, I feel yeah. like the other ones too are, um, I, they did a good job in the show of communicating different personalities with them too. Like Drogon's the yeah. aggressive one. The other two will listen to Daenerys, but they don't necessarily go out of their way to do anything rash unless they're being led, you know? Yeah. Speaking of which though, I mean, the, uh, it was a little bit on the heartbreaking side to see one of the dragons go down when they were fighting oh. um, the dead, but then to see it flying in the season finale with the, you know, basically a dead dragon resurrected with the blue fire. It was pretty darn cool. Oh, yeah. No, any World of Warcraft fan was just like, ah, <laughs> yeah. I have seen this before. Um, nice. Yeah, no, it's I agree. I unfortunately uh, got spoiled on that by someone that did fan art and posted it online without a spoiler warning. Uh, and so I clued in that it was Daenerys and a, and a dead dragon on the ice and this piece of art. And it happened like within 24 hours of the show airing and i hadn't watched it yet and i was mad Jeez, that's fast i was mad oh they would have been painting this while the show was on or they just got up and and spent the whole night doing it i I was really pissed off you know like because it just Mm, it it really it really i knew what was coming basically for that that episode Mm. but that was heartbreaking watching the, the dragon go for sure because that was the reverse that was the disbelief in Daenerys and john and everybody else in the, the same disbelief that that jamie and the lannister had when when drogon came over the hill it was that right. when one of the dragons actually died you're just like whoa what that that easily too <laughs> yeah yeah because then it goes like wait a minute you know like these these undead folks were hard enough as it is you're telling me they've got ice spears that kill dragons like what the hell <laughs> 
But uh, we can move on to listener email. This one comes in from Garrett with the subject of adapting entertainment. Hello, Joel and Steven. I was listening to your last episode when you discussed Dune, Moon Knight, and Halo, and they got me thinking. Dune was a novel, Moon Knight was a comic, and Halo is a video game. Similarly to how they, those were adapted, what is something that you guys would like to see adapted to a movies or series format? For me, it would be my favorite book, Red Rising. Set on Mars, the book takes place hundreds of years in the future where humanity has been separated into color-coded society. The main character, a red, must then free the solar system from the oppression of the golds. In my opinion, something like this would make a great TV show. I would love to hear your thoughts and ideas. Keep up the great podcast, Garrett. Uh, Garrett, awesome email. Uh, Red Rising Mm -hmm. sounds like a very cool book. I'm actually going to look that up later. Uh, And uh, it reminded me, actually, of The Expanse, which has a similar division among humanity between Earth, Mars, and I believe the Deep Space Belters. Uh, like asteroid belt. That's kind of what they, where they get their name, uh, making up the different factions. I could be wrong in this. It has been a very long time. Uh, James, the civilian is probably listening and screaming at the podcast because uh, he's a big <laughs> fan of the expanse. Um, I have not made it past season one. Um, I did like it. I just couldn't get into it. Um, so if, uh, if you are looking for stuff like that, Garrett, then you can probably check out um, the expanse if you haven't already also a book series. So um, if you're into that kind of stuff for novels as well, you can read them. Um, but for me, the comic is terribly 90s, but I would love to see Cyber Force from Image Comics, uh, which was one of my favorites growing up, uh, made into a series. I think the modern <laughs> CG effects that we have now, uh, Stephen and I just talking about the dragons that were in Game of Thrones from several years ago, but the new stuff that's being done on like Disney Plus and, and other shows um, combined with like the notes that hopefully everyone is taking from Marvel's storytelling in film and in series. I think that cyber force would be a really fun series. It's an ensemble cast. So you've got kind of like striker who was like a, a, a leader kind of like general guy. They're all mercenaries and they're all kind of like cyber mutants. So like striker has three arms on one side and one arm on the other. Uh, hmm. I think the guy's name was bear claw or rip claw. And he was like Wolverine, but instead of just um, claws coming out of his back of his hands, all of his, all five of his fingers turned into claws and they were like metal that he could extend and retract. Then there was another guy called impact who was like all metal and kind of like a, kind of like a combination of juggernaut and the Hulk Uh, velocity was like the flash. So they were, they were kind of pulling from some of the kind of general archetypes of, of comic superheroes, but the personalities were interesting. Um, bear claw, I believe was a native American, um, striker was a vet, uh, like a military vet, uh, impact was like a surfer dude. Like he, he got that size Hmm. by some weird thing, accident, something, but he was really kind of like a softy at heart. Um, Velocity was a kid. Like she was only like 16 or 17. Um, there was other people in there too. And I don't remember their names. The bad guys were really cool too, but there was just so much cyber enhancement stuff. Like you could not do this without CG. It would be like, it would be like a Lita level, um, like a Lita battle, battle angel level of, right. of CG in some cases needed. Cause the bad guys were usually more machine than they were human. And so it was really creepy stuff. Um, so again, little nineties, like it's a little on the nose with some of the archetypes and stuff like that. Uh, but as a series, I think a streaming series, I think it would be good because none of the main characters were deep enough really to have like their own origin movie or anything like that. 
but there's too much story to tell in a two hour film. So I think like a series where you could kind of develop one or two of the characters over time and have the rest be supporting. I think it would, I think it would work really, really well. Um, the only thing I could think of would be a Dungeons and Dragons show and for, for fantasy. Um, and again, because Game of Thrones did so well, I'd like to see something like that, but maybe dial back the murder and nudity and bring oh. up the monsters and magic, like di- dial up the fantasy and the color, like make it really bright really really vibrant like magic is blue fire is yellow like just do really kind of Mm. crazy cool vibrant stuff with it and have all the monsters be just like as weird and as wild like you know if it's a floating you know eyeball monster have it be bright purple because like why not it's a floating eyeball like just (laughs) i think having a really bright dungeons and dragons not cartoony like i don't want it to be pixar but i feel Mm. like having something magical and fun would would be cool uh steven what would you say would be um a a piece of entertainment that you'd like to see adapted yeah that's a good question i mean as you as mentioned previously on the show the the bones series is a no-go a la netflix which is too bad because that, that's one i've been wanting to see for a while because i think i think it, if done properly it could be really interesting the the only thing that i think would be tough is the the main characters that are kind of you know stark white very cartoony large nose round heads kind of you know, like almost Smurf proportions of these characters coupled with which are, you know, much more realistic propor- human proportions and stuff. So that would be a bit hard to pull off. But it's it's too bad because I just felt like that would have been... I, I really enjoyed that series. We've got all the graphic novels for it. And uh, so I was, look, I was hoping that would become a thing eventually. So when you say series, do you mean animated? Like Pixar CG stuff? Or do you mean like uh, like the Pokemon detective movie where there's like CG characters, but then all the people in bone would be like real actors. That's where it's, that's where I was always unsure of how they would go about doing it. Because I feel like if they had real actors, um, it could be really interesting, especially with a lot of the CGI stuff that they're able to do these days. Um, but it would always be coupled with these, you know, the main, mm-hmm. like the main character phone bone, who is like, literally this little white dude could easily be the blueprint of a Smurf next to all of these realistic people. So just, I have no idea how they would render that. It's not even like some of the Pokemon where they had fur and different textures and things like that to make them realistic in um, detective Pikachu. Like they're just, there's so little detail to the bone characters. I feel like they'd almost have to do it as like a CGI animation thing where, yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, they do some still cool stuff with the, the latest, um, what's it called, the Spider-Verse movie, where that was all animated. And they, they could, I feel like they could probably pull it off better as an animation, but I just always, I guess I always imagined the people as live action, like actual Interesting. people. I just don't, I don't know how they would do it. It's mm. So it's, it, I could see why it was like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And then people may have passed on it because how do you, how do you pull it off? I couldn't, I couldn't picture it exactly. And maybe that's what they just ran into. But you know, Jeff Smith had another sort of series that I sort of found after reading Bone. I was like, oh, what else has he done? It's called Rassel. And it's it's spelled like uppercase R-A-S-L. And it was a surprise treat for me. It just, uh, like I said, looking for something else from Jeff Smith. And it's uh, kind of this um, online sort of, I wanted an article I read described it as a sci-fi noir comic. And, and the main character has figured out how to jump between parallel universes um, and he, he's like a, an art smuggler. So people, this one dealer he keeps going to, they said they want, uh, 
they want this super rare. Somebody's looking for this super rare Picasso. So instead of going to steal it from this one place, he he knows that there are similar universes where <laughs> that painting is stored in the same place in all of these universes. So he just hops into a neighboring universe, grabs that same painting that's he that somebody wanted the previous week, gets it again, and the guy's like, I don't know how you do this. They all show as authentic, but you just keep coming back with it. It's pretty darn impressive. So it starts off where that way, but then it, it really dives deep into like Nikola Tesla history. And then it touches on like some really weird stuff in the Bermuda Triangle. It's it's really tough to explain, but it was it it captured my attention like halfway, like not even halfway, like partway into the first issue. So it was a. Uh, I think that would be a cool one. And and because there was no uh, cartoony characters, you could easily have that as a live action, live action show. I think it'd be pretty slick. It's funny how my immediate thoughts were all taking something and, and well, I mean, that's what Garrett asked was like, what, what other medium would you like to see as a film or a TV show? But very seldom do I see a TV show that's been canceled. And I say, ah, I'd read the comic though. Cause I probably wouldn't, you know, like there's, it's funny <laughs> how comics and books and games kind of you want them to go to that next level or what we perceive as the next level even though games usually have like longer and more in-depth complicated storylines than any movie could right because of how like depending on how long the gameplay is i guess right um but yeah i I don't tend to go the other way but uh, that sounds cool it sounds really detailed i'm not sure how you'd get all of that into probably a series i guess right like not a movie but like a streaming series yeah and it would avoid involve a lot of voiceover i think of uh mm. well that's what a lot of it was as well it was his his thoughts right um basically going back and talking about the tesla research that he came across so i think they could probably do it it's just uh it's just one of those ones that i don't know if i saw it on the shelf that i'd go and get it but because i enjoyed bone so much i went all right mm. i'll give this a go and it was uh and it was pretty slick film noir lends itself to that voiceover too though yeah true and then other than that there's the Kazukobishi's amulet graphic novel series that um i would love to see that uh, adapted for film or tv series i think i feel like that would probably be better as a tv miniseries because it's got a, a number of cool characters like a uh, robots elves and sort of animal person combos that uh I, th- I think with the cgi of today you could do something really really cool or even if they did it in animation style a la arcane oh yeah mm-hmm. now that i'm saying that out loud i can't remember believe i didn't think of it earlier but if you took any of these series and then did it in animation style like arcane or not necessarily that look the same but of that same level of quality yeah i'd say make make them all in animation because you'd be able to pull off some cool looking quote-unquote live action looking characters and 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 yeah even in arcane they had that little professor who was sort of an animal person so that'd be a perfect kind of treatment for the amulet series yeah i find that um with our with like that level of animation in arcane that's where i would think of for something like bone too right because mm. like you could have yeah. realistic people but like maybe bone is covered in fur you know like you just like really fine like short hair or something like that that you don't communicate yeah. that isn't communicated in in the comic book because it would take forever to draw you know what i mean like that right. kind of stuff could be really could be subtle and, and doable the hard part about characters like that are the eyes it's why i find the sonic the hedgehog movies so unappealing visually and it's like well he like he looks like <laughs> an animated cartoon character that everybody should be just like 
I'm, they might have even alluded to it in in the movies, but like anyone on planet Earth would look as like, why do you look like a cartoon? You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it feels a little bit too too mismatched. But I say that, and like the Pikachu Detective Pikachu movie worked; it totally worked. But I think it's yeah. because they just it's because when people see Pokemon in the in the Detective Pikachu, they're not weirded out by them. It's just a normal right. thing; like it's just a different universe. It's just, they're just normal. Whereas then Sonic is meant to be like, oh crap, there's an alien or a talking hedgehog in my trunk. Like they do that trope as opposed to, you know, going that the, oh, Son- right. like rather than Sonic and, and related animated characters have just always been a part of the world. They just, they make it special, which makes it really hard to sell to audiences, right? Moving on into what we have been watching both Stephen and I have seen Spider-Man No Way Home, and we've been waiting to talk about it on the show because we wanted to both be here at the same time. Uh, I've actually watched all of Halo. I'm all caught up on, on Halo on Paramount+. Plus, uh, and I have not finished Moon Knight, but you have, I believe. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Spider-Man? Do you want to start with the other stuff? We can start with Spider-Man. So I'm going to let you go because I feel like you've got maybe more <laughs> to say about Spider-Man than, than I do. Well, I was reading through the show notes, and I think <laughs> you and I have probably a lot of opinionated or um, opposing opinions on Spider-Man because I, I watched it and I, I actually really, really loved it. And and I'm, I think I mentioned it on the show before. I was watching all of the um, the older Spider-Man movies with um, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield because I kind of had a feeling. Oh yeah, fair enough. Uh, spoiler alert: We should probably say maybe a little bit late for that but um yeah both andrew garfield's spider-man and Tobey Maguire's spider-man show up in the movie and and so i was glad i went back and watched them so i was just all of the villains from those shows were fresh in mind and the fact that they sort of came into it i, I know okay so i guess we could back up a little bit the the one thing that i didn't really care for and i think you had a similar opinion was the um the original spell at the beginning. It just felt like it was a little bit, I don't know, not very Doctor Strange to cast a spell like this. I was I was actually wondering when I saw the trailer when he was casting the spell to, you know, to get everyone to forget that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, that it may not have been Doctor Strange because there was, in the original Doctor Strange movie, there were other um, sorcerers or wizards um, that... They sort of there. There's one guy who left on bad terms at the end, and I thought th- thought that maybe he was able to find a way to sh- uh, shape shift and actually create this spell that would have gone wrong intentionally to kind of crack the realities. Um, but yeah, it turned out it was like just a slightly perturbed Doctor Strange at the fact that he was no longer the the head honcho at. At the um, I forget what the name of that building was. The Sanctum Santorum. Yes. So the fact that he was no longer the, uh, the head sorcerer in charge at the Sanctum, it seemed to make him pouty, and he was almost doing this as a "oh, what could go wrong" kind of thing. And mm-hmm. just even though Wong warned him against it, he's just like, "Oh, come on, let's just let's cut the kids some slack and do him a solid." I thought that was a little bit of a a weak reason for him to do the spell. You're not alone because there was a lot of fan theories going into it thinking that it was, I don't remember the name of the character. I might've even talked about it with maybe Lou on the show or somebody else. It's hard where I've talked about it in so many different places, but uh, 
there's a there's another character like not another sorcerer but there's another doctor strange or marvel villain that's like not thanos level or maybe they are thanos level but they're like a demon and mm. they're like a shape-shifting mischievous demon so like loki but really really nasty and at, like in terms of shape-shifting and wanting to like impersonate people and so the idea that they that the, the the fans were putting forth was that because it didn't feel very Doctor Strange that he was casting the spell for Peter that it wasn't Doctor Strange at all like it, yeah. it was it, and it wasn't a sorcerer either it was somebody really maliciously trying to screw the planet over and and rip a fabric in reality by casting this spell um, and I thought all right well that's interesting I don't know if I want to like I'm not sure if that's where I want the Marvel universe to go. Because that's the problem with, I find, the DC universe is like, in order to challenge characters like Superman and Wonder Woman, they brought in basically other deities to, yeah. to fight them. And it just gets so esoteric and like everything is the end of the universe, not just the end of the world where I'm happy with Superman stopping bank robbers. You know, like I just, I don't, it doesn't need to yeah. be that deep for me. Where I think they did very well with the whole Thanos level threat. Like that was huge. And I mean, it does pose the question, where do you go from there? Um but uh, I, I agree with you. I think that the, 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 the spell that he cast and the fact that it was basically Peter saying, oh, but, but could you, but also this and maybe this too. And like, it was the fact that Strange was listening to him during that conversation rather than saying like, tough luck, kid. Like, I'm yeah. casting this. You're lucky I'm casting the spell, let alone casting it the way that you want me to change it every five minutes. And it's those changes yeah. that end up screwing up the spell and, and causing a problem um later on and yeah and I, but it, and I think that that was something that was it i forgave it because i kept on having to remind myself that peter is one year out of high school like he's only yeah. just graduated and i think it's because like you know tom holland is older you know like he's I mean, he's not old but he's not an, he's not high school like he's he's in his 20s yeah and and carries himself so well both as the character in the in, as an actor, but then also like in the public eye, I find that he's really well respected. And I, so I don't think of him, even when he's playing Peter Parker as a 17 year old, I do not think of him as 17, you know, oh, gotcha. like I just, it, I mean, I get it. I understand when they say, no, we're trying to get into college. So I understand where they are in life, but for whatever reason, well, because he's a superhero, his maturity level is a lot higher. So then when he makes these decisions, that feels out of character, even though technically it probably isn't. It just feels, it sits funny with me. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's like, I forgave him more. And then it's, it's my problem sat more with Dr. Strange because that mm -hmm. even, even the more that I think about it while we're chatting about it, the fact that he just like, okay, cool. Here's a spell. Everyone's going to forget. He didn't like, really, you're just going to go in and cast this and not really hammer out the details of right. something. Yeah. This level. It's like, really? Okay. So we're going to do this. And just so you're aware, nobody, I mean, nobody's going to remember who you are. Okay, that's not cool. Let's have, like, these six people. You know, it's like, that seems like, it's, yeah, it just, I guess the more I think about it, I, I overall enjoy the movie, but the more I think about it, Doctor Strange, I, I think, uh, you know, MJ hit it on the head when, later on when she said, well, you think about it, this is all your fault, because this is your spell that you cast that didn't go right. Yeah. And And it's kind of, it is his fault, because he was just like, yeah, we'll do this, and it was just so hastily done it just felt so which is i guess that's what still bothers me about it so hastily done for somebody who is such a perfectionist of a surgeon before he became dr strange 
Like it's almost like he's just being super pouty baby because he's no longer the head honcho. And and someone that's highly intelligent. You know, yes. he he can see things like he goes through like a couple million different possibilities about how to kill Thanos and there's only one that works, you know, like yeah. he has that kind of foresight, but yet he doesn't think to ask Peter, wait, do you want your girlfriend to forget who you are too? Like he just, that yeah. doesn't occur to him, you know? And or that I, he assumes that he'd be fine with that. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, it, the whole thing feels like, you know, they're going to do a drag race down the street and strange looks at Peter and goes, come on, get in. What could go wrong? Right. And it's just like, yeah. but, it's like I've seen this 80s movies before. <laughs> like it's one of the major plot <laughs> points of Back to the Future. Like just you know, like I just I don't I don't it it's out of character for Strange to be so carefree. Like I know he's cocky. Like I get that. But yeah. that's it's not he's cocky when he wants to try something that's outside of his skill level or or something that's never been done before, but not cocky in a reckless way, if that makes sense. Like he still doesn't yeah. want to risk anybody's lives. He he says we just saved the world. <laughs> I think I owe you one. Like you'd think that he would at least, you know, try not to destroy it again in the process. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was my, my big, my, my problem to skip to the end uh, is that it comes full circle. And in order to undo the spell, he has to do the same spell again. And yeah. so you have the same conversation with Peter and strange casting the same spell to fix it at the end, except for this time, Peter says, no, 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 everybody. I don't yeah. want any changes. Just so all Peter's doing is the exact same thing he tried to do at the start, but he just doesn't, no one remembers who Peter is either. So, you know, um, Nate and MJ and like, no one remembers who Peter is. And I get, I get it. It's tropey. Like it's the, all the people that are close to me are in danger sort of deal. Yep. And, and it, re and it conveniently, this is the problem that does bite me a little bit is that it very conveniently resets the spider verse in Marvel to Peter Parker is alone. He's poor. He has no access to anything because no one knows who he is. And yet he's right. still Spider-Man and that, and so it ends up looking very much like the Tobey Maguire films, you know, in the little seedy apartment in New York City that rent is due on the first, yeah. don't be late kind of stuff. I mean, there's nods like that all throughout the film. But I I find the Spider-Man with access to Stark Tech a lot more interesting. I, I've always thought, and it could be because I didn't read the comics when I was a teenager, but I've always enjoyed when the cartoons and stuff got to Peter as a college student. Like when he mm -hmm. had MJ as a girlfriend, when he had access to a lab and he was doing really cool research and he could do some cool tech stuff on his own. I, I felt like that was a more fun Spider-Man than just like the, oh, woe was me. I'm a poor photographer, you know, kind of deal. Yeah. I just, for whatever reason, it just felt like it was a drum they pounded too much. And I, and I, I do find that I, in a modern world where you've got cell phones and cameras everywhere and... I do really feel like the superhero stories are more interesting when at least the people close to the superhero know who the superhero is. You know, that Aunt May knew he was Pete, that he was Spider-Man, that MJ knew he was Spider-Man. She figured it out. Like he didn't tell her, yeah. but like they, she figured it out that Nate was like the guy in the chair, even though I can't stand Nate, but, but like the, the fact that <laughs> all that exists, it makes for better banter. Yeah. Because then you're not spending half the movie hiding the secret identity. 
You know, it's like super when Superman and Lois, when, when Lois knows that Clark is Superman, it's a much better story. It's a much more fun because there's all the little winks and nods that, right. You know, like if Superman shows up late to dinner with Lois Lane and she knows he's Superman, the side eye that she sends him is way funnier <laughs> because it's like, you can move at the speed of sound. How are you late? <laughs> you yeah. Know? And he's got some, you know, you know, tongue in cheek responsible. Like it was a bus full of children. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> like that kind of stuff I find more, more interesting and entertaining. But um, how did you feel about, because um, so I didn't say anything to you. I knew about the Andrew Garfield and the Tobey Maguire cameos before I saw the film because right. they were in, they're just on social media promoting the movie. Like I kind of put two and two together because I didn't see it in November. We both saw it within a, a week of each other. I think we both rented it on, yeah. on Disney plus. No, uh, Apple TV. Well, I've, I've been avoiding all kind of the social media stuff. Anytime I saw the mention of Spider-Man, I was like, nope, 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 nope. So I was able to avoid pretty, yeah, most things about the movie. So I was pretty, I was pretty jazzed. Actually, having gone back and watched, I, I didn't actually watch the Andrew Garfield movies the first time because I thought, oh, another Spider-Man origin story. Like, why why are they doing this so soon after movie three of the Tommy McGuire series? But um, I think I chatted about this before, but I actually really liked the Andrew Garfield movies. And I was kind of disappointed that they didn't do a third one because it's, even though it's, you know, similar origin story, it was different enough. And then him having just lost Gwen at the end of the second movie, I think it would have made for an interesting third movie where he would have been, you know, carrying a huge weight. So when he showed up and like, I guess one of my favorite things about this movie, it just, it felt like it had more heart, like the banter between characters, not even the banter, just like the casual conversations of like Tobey Maguire going like, oh man, I got a, you know, my back. And he's like, oh, do you want me to crack it for you? And just like things like that. And where they where they address Toby Maguire able to kind of shoot the web out of his wrists yeah. naturally, and the two can like, well, you can do that. It's like I'm feeling a little self conscious. No, no, no. It's just that we can't do that. So we want to know more about that. And so I thought that was pretty fantastic as well. And then when MJ and Ned are saying, "Prove your Spider Man. Stick to the ceiling." <laughs> and I don't know. I actually I my favorite Spider Man in this movie I think was um, Andrew Garfield. But seeing all three of them swinging at the same time and fighting all the baddies, I was like, all right, this is this is pretty cool. Um, and <laughs> no, it's Andrew Garfield's delivery was, for me, the best. And when he caught MJ at the end, just that look on his face was like, that's the that's the catch of Gwen he was supposed to make. Oh, for sure. At the end, at the end of the second movie. So me having seen it so recently and then seeing that moment in it, like my whole family, like we're like, oh, that's the catch he needed to make. It was such, such a, a great moment in the movie. Um, yeah, no, for me, it was good. Um, like I, yeah, I like the fact that a lot of, you know, all of the old villains came back. I thought it was pretty cool. And the fact that they had the three Spider-Men being able to take them all at the same time, it was, I don't know. I felt like it had good energy and I, I was not, I was, I can't say I was disappointed by much in it other than, you know, the, the doctor, <laughs> other than the thing that set the whole movie in motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, and that's what I think like, and that's why it's not like I didn't like it. But it certainly yeah. didn't live up to the world-stopping, like, crazy PR that it got. Like, the the hype that it got did not land in the same place that my, like, my watch through. Like, right. and I, I 
get it. Like, I mean, I waited a while. There was some stuff that was not moments in the movie were not spoiled, but the fact that the cast was like, who was in it? I knew I didn't know yeah. all of the villains were in it. I knew, I knew from the trailer that the goblin, the hot, the, the green goblin was in it. And I knew that doc Ock was in it. Doc Ock, and, yeah. and, and I didn't even know that Willem Dafoe was reprising his role. I just, I heard the laugh, but it's like that. I mean, that could mean nothing. The guy could have his mask yeah. on the whole time. And like, who knows? Right. Um, I, I thought, going into it that it was either going to be the two other Spider-Men get pulled into the universe and they get to find their way home. Mm. And that our, our Spider-Man, the Tom Holland Spider-Man has to then help them or the villain who was either, you know, disguising himself as Dr. Strange or someone that comes in because of the Dr. Strange spell is too much for just Spider-Man to handle and for whatever reason, none of the other Avengers are around, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, or because it's a spider for no other reason other than it's a Spider-Man movie and Spider-Man has to fight this one villain and it's too much for him because he's not experienced enough. So in a stroke of luck, this tear in reality has brought in two older Spider-Men who have the experience that they can then share and teach and the three of them mm-hmm. could combine. Because I really think that Doc Ock is is a strong enough villain that it would take three Spider-Men to fight him. You know, like I... I I did not need oh, yeah? Electro and Sandman in this movie at all. They added nothing. And I know that Jamie Foxx is a good actor, but boy, did they give him some shit lines. Like nothing he said sounded like anything that was delivered by an actor of his caliber. It. Mm. I just, I found the characters, the, the villains coming back outside of Doc Ock were flat. I don't know. I mean, I know that they gave Defoe some interesting you know, situations to play like more of the schizophrenia, like more of the split personality or dissociative personality disorder. I don't remember which is the technical term for it, but like they gave him a little bit more room there, but Mm -hmm. all of the things the green goblin said and did were things we have already seen the green goblin say and do in the first, in the other Spider-Man films. And so they weren't giving me anything new. You know, it's the same thing with, with the electro. It was the same MO Sandman was a little bit different. Like he was at least like, he's not a villain villain. He's more of a, he's a guy that just wants to get back to his family. So he's motivated in that, in in that way, but he's not necessarily like a bad guy, bad guy. He's just a good guy that gets in trouble all the time. I could, I could have done without them bringing the lizard guy back because he just didn't really. Exactly. Same thing. He was one note, you know, and and he was basically there for lizard jokes. Like who's the dinosaur? He talks like just stuff like that was was you know and because they did it once and it was funny with doc ox like your your name is Otto octavius and like the kids yeah. laugh right and you're just like yeah it is kind of silly because like it, it was the 70s and the 80s when they named these characters they could have left it there but then they make the same joke with every single villain that comes in you know and it just it's it's a little bit much and i did feel that the andrew garfield second film as good as it is suffered from having too many villains in one movie like they could have just mm. done electro into hobgoblin and that would have been fine or even just hobgoblin. Um, but I didn't find electro or what was the other villain? Oh, the rhino, the rhino in the amazing Spider-Man two was a throwaway, like just terrible oh, yeah. idea, terrible idea. Not that the well, rhino not a great was a, character in the cartoon. No, anyway, it, but... no, it's not a very great character to build on anyway. So, so then don't try to make it into the movie, <laughs> you know, like don't, yeah, don't enough. force it, you know, square, square peg, round hole. Um, so yeah, it's not like I didn't like Spider-Man No Way Home, but it's nowhere near my Marvel top. Like my Marvel tops are still Captain America 
you know, trilogy, uh, Endgame, Infinity War, like all those movies mm. rank uh, high above above No Way Home. I prefer the other two Spider Man movies actually, um, the Homecoming and and Far From Home. Uh, I right. quite I quite liked Far From Home. I thought at first I thought Far From Home was going to be a was going to be strange because of the the road trip. I was like, there's no buildings. Like, what? The, how the hell is Spider Man going to be Spider Man <laughs> if there's no buildings around? So um, that surprised me actually. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's, um, it's one of those things that I think was, was still good. And my favorite thing about it was the camaraderie between the three Spider-Men. Um, and, but like, here's the other thing that I thought was strange too, is that the realities have all been ripped together. All of the villains are ageless. Like they did that wonky CG de-aging thing on Alfred Molina and, and Willem Dafoe to make them look like they were pulled from their universes before they died. So why are Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield pulled from later in life? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense why, why villains from the same universe are pulled in before. I think they mentioned something about it happens before they die for some stupid reason. But again, like it was, it was, it was the moment right before they died. They were all talking about the last thing they remembered. Yeah. They were all yoinked from right before they died. Yeah. But again, it's, it's just like, it's, it's multiverse weak sauce writing. Like it just, it's, it's a, it's not a great explanation. Um, and, and I, and I think that the, some of the CG for them pulled me out of it. However, whenever doc Ock was moving around, like that looked fantastic, you know, like I, yeah, I, I think, I think they really improved on that. Yeah. Was, oh, for not, sure. Not that it was bad back in the day, no, but it was, uh, no, no, it, it was bang on this time. Yeah. To move on to something a little bit more positive. So we're not talking for the entire evening. Uh, I will, let everyone know that I have watched and totally recommend Halo. And this is coming from someone that is only like partially aware of the games. I've played a little bit of the first game and a little bit of the latest game. I'm aware of the game through friends that are fans, uh, through Ryan Murphy, who has been on the show and talked about the show and, and has enjoyed it. And he's a Halo fan. Like he's played the games. And I referred to him as like, where are we in the timeline? Like, is this canon? Like, where does this work? And I, so I asked Ryan, so I know, so I know what's up. Um, but Halo on Paramount Plus, which I have a free month to because of Xbox Game Pass Unlimited. Uh, normally the Paramount Plus free trial is seven days. Monthly subscriptions are $5.99 Canadian. So even if you go over your seven days, it's not going to break the bank. Uh, and there are a number of things on there outside of, uh, outside of um, Halo. But Halo was the reason I wanted to get it. And the reason why I waited is because the final Halo episode should be over by the end of May. And so by starting my mm. subscription on the 1st of May, I know I can finish the series. But I watched six in a week because they're that good. Um, mm. The Paramount app is no longer, sorry, the Paramount Plus app is no longer available on Xbox because Paramount Plus is not available in Canada in certain avenues it's similar to how hbo plus or hbo i don't remember what they call it now but hbo is not something you can just get on your tv on an app in canada you have to go through crave uh, which is owned by bell and so paramount plus on some platforms you have to go through apple tv plus as like an added uh, an additional charge so you'd Hmm. still spend your 5.99 to get access to paramount plus stuff if you're watching on the xbox but my Roku has a Paramount Plus app that works just fine. So I couldn't figure out hmm. how to sign in. Because sometimes I have this issue where, depending on the streaming service, 
And depending on the platform, I might get a better quality stream. So sometimes the Xbox will do like an HDR kind of thing and it makes some streaming services look better. But I couldn't figure out how to sign into Apple TV Plus and activate Paramount because the trial that I had was a free trial. I still have an account, but Apple TV Plus just wants me to do the seven days free. And it's like, well, I just signed up for 30 days free. How do you not know that I have an account? Like, how am I not giving an option? Like, what if I'm not someone that needs a seven day free trial? What if I'm someone that has been paying for Paramount Plus for a couple of months, but I would just prefer to watch it on my Apple device? I can't seem to find a way to sign in. Now, I haven't checked other Apple TV Plus locations. I've only been trying to do that on the Xbox because that's where my TV is. Um, Anyway, long story short, able to watch on the Paramount Plus app, which is built into my Roku. Unfortunately, similar to Crave, it streams in 1080p, which is disappointing. And it's stuttery in places, which is terrible in panning shots, especially given the production quality, not the streaming quality, but the production quality of the show is really well done sweeping sci-fi vistas spaceships and lasers and very cool massive ships that like when they swing around like you can really get the sense of scale does not hold a lot of awe when it kind of jitters across the screen yeah Um, especially in bright environments which by the way in a sci-fi show happens a lot (laughs) so there are things like that that are a little bit of of a problem but i can separate that from the other moments in in the show uh everything else is done pretty much you know very 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 well uh big budget production lots of real sets and practical effects there's not a lot of people just walking around on a green screen um they don't overuse the number of locations either so there's like the main bridge of one of the ships there's the main lab there's the barracks And then there's like, if they're out on a planet, then they're out actually in like, you know, the woods or the desert or someplace, you know, some location in California, probably where they're filming or, or, or BC. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of stuff filmed in Canada too, actually. Um, Anyway, it all looks really good. Every now and again, the CG stands out, but it's rare, very, very rare. Mm. Um, And usually involves a human as opposed to like one of the aliens, because the aliens are really cool. And they have like a, they call them squid faces, but they basically have like four mandibles as their lower jaw. So when they talk, these things all move kind of funny and they don't speak English. They speak of, well, yet I know they speak English in the game, but so far they're speaking a specific alien language and there's subtitles and stuff like that. But it all, it, none of that feels bad at all. Even the acting on the CG aliens that aren't speaking English, like you can tell, are they angry? Are they being subtle about it? Like what, how are they communicating? And it's very, very well done. You get lost and sucked into the world uh, there's lots of nods to the video game that I remember from playing it, but not nearly as deep as I'm sure many people are are pulling Easter eggs out of this. They've probably laced the whole thing with Easter eggs. Um, the only thing I think they overuse is like switching to the first person perspective because Halo is a first person shooter oh, as a right. game. So every once in a while they put the camera inside of Master Chief's helmet for a, a, a beat and it's just like, ah, it's fine. Okay, sure. Got it nod to first person shooter but then like several times in the series they go back to it it's like no you don't need to keep doing this Mm. like you can tell a story without being inside the helmet cam unless it's relevant like if you're showing me a heads-up display in the same way that iron man gets a heads-up display you know like oh there's missiles coming from over there that makes sense but if it's just like action you know master chief running through the war zone and blasting people i don't need to be first person that's just going to make me seasick so no um, especially when the stream quality is a little bit jittery. Um, but there's other things that are in there that are, are great nods to the game. Our Cortana, 
uh, which is the AI that kind of helps you through the game, uh, is part of your suit or part of your person. They wrote it slightly differently in this in that she's like an AI that's helping to control Master Chief at this point. But they use the original voice actor from the video game franchise in the show. So she is a CG character in the show as well as in the game. She's like a little hologram that shows up and spot on because of course they use the exact same voice from the game. And even I remember <laughs> like, so it really, it really feels like halo when that stuff happens. Um, and then all of, I mean, the majority of the actors are fantastic. Uh, master chief, uh, John one, one seven is uh, Pablo Shriver. Um, he's a Canadian actor born in BC. He's six foot five and, um, master chief he's- is meant to be like a superhuman. Like all the, all the halo uh, Spartan characters are meant to be like larger than life. He's a great actor, um, really, really handles a lot of the subtleties that they're doing with Master Chief in this show really well. Uh, K- oh, Kai yeah, yeah. or K125 is played by Kat, Kat Kennedy or Kate Kennedy. Um, and she's really good too. She mostly has done voiceover work for like Assassin's Creed and Battlefield, but she's six foot three. So think like mm-hmm. Brienne of Tarth, but like in a Spartan, you know, sci-fi battle armor, like she's phenomenally uh what's the word i'm working for present when she's like when she's in a scene you know it you know like she's just got this kind of gruff military but like still got a sensitive side sort of like going on there's a there's a lot there uh and i really enjoyed her unfortunately the other two spartans and i'm gonna quote ryan because he made me laugh the other day talking to him on text are very beep beep boop bop (laughs) like (laughs) the idea with the spartans is that they're essentially like programmed humans like they're super soldiers but they've got a lot of implants their emotions are regulated so they're they're not scared when they're in battle you know like that kind of stuff but these other two actors are just walking around like they're freaking robots like even they even move stiff like when they hold up an object it's like object up object down like it's just it's very like they might as well be doing the robot from the 80s like it's it's really it's really (laughs) stiff and awkward but up against you know kate kennedy and pablo shriver like who are doing phenomenal jobs. Like anybody would seem pretty wooden. Hmm. There's a lot of other actors in it that are doing phenomenal jobs. I'm not going to remember everybody. There are a couple of people I feel like are miscast, uh, Hmm. including someone that's a very good actor. So um, Olive Gray plays Dr. Miranda Keys and she's good, but she just feels far too young to be in like the scientific position that she's in, in the show. And it's street and it's strangely like convenient that her mother is the chief scientist for the, all of the military. And her father is the like chief captain for all of the military. He's not necessarily the admiral, but he's damn close. And the fact that she's got these two incredibly powerful parents and, and she's in this really high scientific position. And yet she seems just so young. She's probably meant to be 30, but she looks like she's 20 and, and sort of acts like it in that way too. So it's just like, it, it feels kind of off. Um, but then the other one that really sours it for me, um, Bern Gorman is not intimidating in any way, shape or form in anything I've ever seen him in. Uh, and he's cast as a uh, Vinshir Grath, a military insurgent, like boss. He's meant to be like this asshole, like not a cult leader, but he's essentially like a terrorist leader. Uh, and he's like the animated aliens are better actors than this guy and scarier. And he's like, he's <laughs> just not 
just not. Like he plays, he's better at like nerdy scientist roles. Like that's kind of his nervous Nelly kind of guy. Like I don't, it's whatever. I don't think it's his fault. I think he's just miscast. And, and maybe he just looks like the character and that's why they did it. I don't know. But there's just, it's nothing about him. He's just cartoonish. And it, it really, it really doesn't work with the rest of the show being so good. Like good action, good mix of story, backstory on key characters like Master Chief uh, and Dr. Catherine Halsey, who is the, like the architect of the Sp- Spartan program. Like you get to see all kinds of different stuff. And it's really interesting. And I barely even know anything about the game. I'm sure people that are steeped in Halo think this is just phenomenal. Um, and, well, I mean, I guess there's there's the other side too, is that if you know an awful lot about the game and if they're taking liberties with some things, you might be like, ah, that's not how they do it. Wag your finger. Right. Um, but if you're not a purist like I am, uh, then you're just like, oh, wow, like this is this is fantastic. Like I'm on board. I think they they sell it. It it really feels like uh, like a new, fun TV sci-fi franchise that I, I am into. And it's nice because it's not derivative of, of anything else. Like Halo has been around for long enough that it's definitely its own thing. It's its own beast. Um, and I want to, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm struggling to remember her name. I think it's Charlie something. She plays the blessed one. Uh, Charlie Murphy uh, is an Irish actor and she plays McKee and she has to speak for half of the series in this alien dialect, which I'm sure they've made up. It's like Klingon. Like it's just (laughs) words that you don't pronounce in normal human speech most of the time. And she has to talk in it half the time she's on the screen. And it's not only can you like understand the level of devotion that she's put into it, but she has to act through it as well. So even if you can't understand what she's saying, you're reading the subtitles, you can still understand when she's mad or when she's being subtle or when she's being sarcastic or like it's it's very very well done like it's to the level of like in the same way that you know shakespearean actors have to you know understand the meaning of what they're saying in order to then act it you know correctly i i really feel like she probably speaks (laughs) the language now fluently in the same way that um people would have to learn elvish on on lord of the Mm -hmm. rings you know um anyway i've been ranting about it for a while only because I didn't want, you know, all of my downers on Spider-Man uh, to be the last thing that, <laughs> that I said. Um, but I would highly recommend it. And really uh, there's a few other things that are on Paramount plus a lot of them are things I can get other places. But if you're looking at Paramount plus as an addition to your streaming services at five ninety nine, it's not bad, right? Like that's what I was thinking as well. I mean, I, I had seen Halo coming out and I was, uh, you know, another, show based on a video game and i just didn't think it would have a lot of i guess worthwhile presence to it to to even go seek it out but after hearing this it's uh you've piqued my interest oh yeah no they put a lot into it and i think too like it'll be over soon so if you wait and you've got your seven day free trial like you will burn through this in seven days it will not be hard to watch all of them in the seven days um that happens um uh, word to the wise too for folks that have um kids or um, teenagers and stuff like that. I, there's not any sexuality that I've really run into, but it's violent. Like when the aliens shoot mm. people, body parts go flying. Like it's, it's, oh. it's, yeah, it's not because the early halo games, you kind of shoot things and there's little animated spurts. And then the, the character falls over, like the aliens just kind of fall over. But in this, the aliens have really powerful weapons. And when a human gets shot with them, that's not covered in Spartan armor, like 
bad things right. happen. Yeah. Uh, and so just FYI, it is, it's, it's violent, not in a gratuitous way, but it's violent in like a, this is just how it is. It's like a shark attack, you know, like when that, right, when something yeah. that big with that many teeth eats somebody, you find, you see it, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's kind of how things, how things roll in battle. But, uh, other than that, it's, it's not, it doesn't do anything really grotesque in terms of like excessive. It's all contextualized, I guess. So I had every intention of watching the rest of Moon Knight, but I kind of lost enthusiasm. I didn't like episode four. I thought episode five was weird, but you've powered through <laughs> and you've finished off the series, which finished today as far as, you know, being aired. So spoiler warning for people that, that haven't seen the end of Moon Knight. I don't care. So if you, if you have things to say and it involves spoiling the end, then, then fine, go for it. Okay. Now, I mean, overall, I enjoyed it. It's, um, but I, I guess my biggest complaint is though, I, I thought the idea of Moon Knight was interesting. Um, like from the trailer, having somebody who could shift into this, I guess this superhero that was powered by an Egyptian God. I thought that was really neat. I think that when we last spoke, we, episode two had just finished. So for, for me, episode three, I guess just doing little recaps, I found it was enjoyable, but you know, with, um, again, I forget the, the, um, the medical term for it, but with the split, per, split personality of the character, um, you've got Steven and Mark episode three was more Mark. And I found myself more attached to the Steven character in episode one and two. So episode three sort of let me, left me feeling, I guess I cared about the main character less because he's a mercenary and he's kind of a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of a jerkiness to him and I just liked Steven's charm. So I was a little bit, I guess, left me not liking episode three as much. Episode four, I agree, kind of left me unsatisfied as well. It felt like the, it felt less like a Marvel superhero story and more like an Indiana Jones adventure, which is not necessarily bad, but it just, there was no Moon Knight superhero-ness in episode four at all, from what I recall. I may be mixing episode four and five together, but, um, you know, Khonshu gets captured and then there's just no way for him to change into Moon Knight anymore. That might have, yeah. So I might be mixing episodes, but it just, I was expecting more of the need for Khonshu and the ability to switch into the Moon Knight character. In episode five, I actually liked it quite a bit because it, it showed a lot of backstory for Mark and Steven, which, which sort of then, I guess, nailed down for sure that Mark was the original personality in the body and he actually created Steven as an innocent sort of escape so that at least part of his life could be um safe and secure because it's as awful as it always to see it always is to see a child abuse story um in anything um it does make sense and it gives you kind of that reasoning as to why Mark Spector would have created that Stephen Grant alter ego based on the show he used to watch as a kid so um so I thought it was pretty pretty fascinating, but again, still no Moon Knight superhero character, so it was just sort of and even and even in the sixth episode, he kind of came in kind of two thirds of the way through. So I just don't understand what the whole plan for Moon Knight is. Like did they just do a lot of this to set up Moon Knight to then appear in the MCU? It's a miniseries, so he's not going to be there's not a season two coming. It just felt like an odd a, a lot of story about Stephen Grant and Mark Spector. And not so much about it. Well, at least for me anyway, not so much about Moon Knight and what Moon Knight can do. Um, 
So it's it's one of those things. If you went and watched episode episode six, um, you may enjoy it because Conchu comes back and there's a a big battle at the end between Conchu and Amit. But I think my favorite thing that came out of this is that Layla, she actually became the avatar for a different god altogether. And and then she basically said, we could do this, but basically only temporary host, only temporary or only temporary avatar. And, and the God was perfectly okay with that. So she's, she has a cool costume and she's got some cool abilities. And, and if nothing else, if they set this up so that Layla becomes a character in the MCU, I'm cool with that. I don't know what they're going to do with the Moon Knight character. But I'm I'm all in for Layla as an Egyptian superhero. I think she uh, that was a pretty cool thing to come out of the last episode. That would be cool. So I think I'll have to return to it and and watch it because I I lost interest. I think it was episode four because it just was a repeat of episode three, where mm. like they get into trouble, they have to call the Moon Knight character. There's all these arguments about put on the suit, don't put on the suit. Every time you turn around, Stephen and Mark are in a reflection, just yelling the same line at one another. Yeah. Do it. Don't do it. Give me the suit. Give me control. No, I don't want to. Like it's it's endless. And I found it very monotonous and infuriating. And uh, then they switched over. And when, like you said, they there was this, I don't remember which episode number it was, but they go into this insane asylum. And Mark, after he's shot, is... They're, you're, they're showing you all these different visual cues that are trying to explain. And I thought that the direction they might be going was like, and it was all in his head the whole time. And I was like, oh yeah. God, like I really hope they haven't wasted my time. Um, and so I wasn't really a big fan of that either. And again, like I felt like the cool thing about the show was just like, well, I'm because I don't enjoy all this endless banter between Mark and Steven anymore. It was interesting at first, but it lost its charm very quickly because they didn't take it anywhere. Then I was just waiting for Moon Knight to come out and do some cool Moon Knight stuff and see where that, the story of the gods and the avatars and how does that work? Like all, like wanting to know how that all comes together. Cool, I'll focus on that. And then they lock Khonshu away in a little stone statue. He's like, well, okay, well now the, now, now the cool part of the show is gone. So yep. like, what what am I watching this for? Um, I'll probably go back and finish it again because there's not a lot to it. I don't have to watch like three or four more episodes to get to the end. Like it's just one, I think yeah. I might be too behind, but I'm, I think it's just one. Um, and so I'll, I'll see where it goes, especially if I know that something happens with Layla. Cause I like her. I think she's a cool, she's a good actor, she, you know? Um, and I, I also, I don't dislike the performances in the show with the exception of maybe Ethan Hawke, because I don't think that's his fault though. I think the character is just written flat. Um, yeah. But Oscar Isaac is a great actor. I, I mean, I'll watch yeah. Oscar Isaac in just about anything. My gosh. Yeah. I think, and I think just the way I, I didn't care for the way it ended overall because it still kind of left things open. And then it, it still was that, I, I don't want to spoil it if you're going to go back and watch it. It's just, but it's just still left kind of things up in the air a little bit to make me go, well, it, it felt like a cliffhanger awaiting season two. But again, right. if there's no season two, I mean, it, it would have been perfectly fine for me if it was the end of season one going into two. But like, where is this going? And I just and, and I guess my my biggest beef overall, as I said, it didn't have a lot of the actual Moon Knight superhero stuff to it. So it, it's I enjoyed the episodes where Conchi wasn't in it, 
but it felt like a different show. Like, so if it had been if it had been a separate show altogether, I would have enjoyed that sort of Indiana Jones ish adventure type show. Right. But it felt like less superhero-y. and I just still didn't like the way that Conchu talk ta- talked. He would say, "You w- you want to know something? Or I got to tell you some stuff." Like it was very. First of all, an Egyptian god. Just I feel like anybody that I've known who speaks English as a second language really tries to nail down the articulation of English. And so if he's an Egyptian god, he's not going to be say, I want to tell you something. They're just, they're not going to do that. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that last time. The thing that I I don't know enough about the extended Marvel cast of heroes and stories, but uh, I know that there are a number of like supernatural-like heroes. Um, Moon Knight being one of them. Another one that they've hinted at in the MCU proper is uh the black knight which is the um the the alter ego of the black knight is the the character that kit harrington played in eternals oh right and this there's the little um stinger at the end of the movie where he has the sword like he unveils the sword on the desk and that's the thing so similar to like moon knight putting on this suit that comes out of nowhere because he's the avatar of conchu the the black knight just grabs the sword and then becomes the black knight and then can like, it kind of magically appears and then disappears. I don't know. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a dissociative personality thing with the black knight. I just, I read up a little bit about it after I was just like, all right, so that's a cool sword. I'm just like, you know, immediately Googling what's the significance of Kit Harrington and the sword at the end, you know, at the end of eternal. Right. And so they say, Oh, that's supposed to be a nod to the black knight. And he was like, Oh, who's the black knight? And he was like, oh, okay. So it's like kind of this supernatural. So it gets into the stuff that ends up being like magic or spiritual or like, ghosts and you're just like i don't know if i really want to watch superhero movies about ghosts and stuff like that like i'm i'm again like i'm okay with my classic superheroes like i i I wouldn't mind you know a shift you know like i i'd be okay if dc gets their act together and we shift back from marvel everything to being you know back to some some superman and, and batman stuff but like yeah um i haven't I mean, the 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 Batman, the one with Robert Pattinson, is now available to buy and rent if you want to spend twenty five dollars to rent it, which I mm. don't. Um, <laughs> I heard it was good, but I didn't. It's not that everybody that I know was talking about it and telling me to go see it in the same way that everybody was talking about Spider Man No Way Home right. and telling me to go see it. Right. So I, I still don't get the sense that that DC is knocking it out of the park just yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to more. I mean, like I think. I think it is interesting to see superhero series now. Like I really like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Uh I um I didn't dislike WandaVision. It was weird in the same way that Moon Knight is weird, but it was weird with a payoff. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. Is that the the twist made sense and I think it tied into something larger. Uh, which I think we'll know more about uh, this weekend when Doctor Strange and the Multitude of, of Madness or Multiverse of Madness, Multitude of Madness, yeah. both the Multiverse of Madness <laughs> exactly. drops. Both are correct. The only thing that has me worried about that movie is that I'm not a Sam Raimi fan. So the fact that he's directing mm. is not not thrilling. But then again, he's also not the same Sam Raimi that directed Spider-Man 3 you know, 15 years ago. So right. we'll, we'll see how that goes. Because um, Kevin Feige is still producing. So like there's the Marvel wheel is still turning right yeah um but yeah we'll we'll see uh because i i do find the doctor strange stuff a little bit hard to swallow and that's and that's where marvel tends to lose me is when they get into magic and stuff and i'm just like "Mm, 
you know, like it's not for whatever reason you call me old school. I kind of like my old fashioned superheroes, which are kind of like a little sci-fi, you know, as opposed right. to, as opposed to fantasy. Well, normally this is where we would plug uh, the internet minute, but we've run out of time. Uh, you just got more podcast instead of uh, a little tag here <laughs> at the end. Uh, but I, I can't move on without uh, giving a special thanks to our bean counter patron Smurf588. Thanks so much for your support on this episode. Uh, we're still at 28 patrons uh, steady on from last week. Uh, our goal each week is to have at least one more patron than the week before. If you'd like to be number 29, visit patreon.com slash the Sizzle Cafe to join the Patreon, join the Discord, be nerdy behind the scenes with all of us, get access to the Brista Cut bonus audio sessions, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. That wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Stephen and I talked about at the citadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at the citadelcafe at gmail.com. Keep those coming. They're a lot of fun. Find the show by name on Twitter. You can also subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. It's free. Just tell friends where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft, where we're getting weekly snapshots for Minecraft 119. So check that out at thespunchunks.com. And of course, you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at one o'clock Atlantic. That's UTC minus three. Steven, where can people find you online? I am most frequently on Twitch as well at twitch.tv slash Stephen ESC, Stephen with a PH. Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Atlantic and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Atlantic. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. <laughs>